Hey folks, welcome back to Whatsoever is True. I'm your host, Jason Coral, and I am just delighted to be here. Let's talk today about the subject at hand, and that is how to live a Christian life. So our first and primary, I think, big question that comes to us all the time, once especially people are converted, is, well, now what am I supposed to do? You know, Francis Schaeffer is, you know, how, how now shall we live? And and, you know, that question is, is a really good one. So let's dive right in. We're going to look at Scripture as always our ultimate authority, always where we get our marching orders, always where we are able to, get to, to find wisdom. And I've said it before, say it again. You don't go to Scripture and find a chapter that's going to talk to you personally about what to wear and where to move to and what job to take. That's not what we mean when we say the Bible is literally the Word of God and it will make straight your paths. What, what it means is that the principles of godly living are there, and then those principles are applied to the particulars of everyone's personal life. Okay, so you have an amazing amount of freedom in Christ. Obviously, sin is not freedom. Sin is slavery. Everything else is good and edifying. Paul says that three different times in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that uh, all things are permissible, but not all things are edifying. What sin is, is a misuse of God's created order. It's a misuse of even sometimes our own body and or, or the things, whether they're material things or other people and so forth. So when we get that straight in our mind, guys, it's a lot easier to make sense of our life and to live a good life. Christians should be joyous. Christians should be celebrating their salvation every step of the way. And you should be enjoying God's creation and the gifts you have around you in, in a diversity of ways. The, the thought of a long-faced, dour, melancholy Christian is really a contradiction in terms. And, and, and unfortunately, many people think of Christians for what they disapprove of rather than what they do approve of. And we need to set the record straight. That's one of the things here. So we're going to go over the, the passage that gives this whole podcast and, 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 our, and all of my work whatsoever is true, its name. So this is the namesake of it. Ready? It's uh, Philippians 4. Verse 4. We're going to pick it up and read it together. Ready? So let's uh, let's absolutely rejoice in the reading of God's holy and life-giving word. But here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's just, you know, rejoice in that. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Um, I know that's kind of a tagline. We say that a lot in, in my church anyway, after after we read scripture. And I say that all the time, you know, before we, we we say our nightly prayers, where we have a scripture reading and, and I'll always close off at that. Grass withers, flower falls, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Think of the number of things that were so important to you in your life 10, 15 years ago, or even last year. And now they're not that important. Uh, some little things that you obsessed about, and they're gone. 
Again, all of these things are vanity and vexation. They are a puff of a puff of smoke, but the word of our Lord still abides, and it's still as pertinent today, and, and hopefully for us as we grow, more insightful and, and more impactful than it was uh, before, years ago. So let's, let's unpack this verse, ready? And, and have a good old-fashioned Bible study about what this can tell us about how we are supposed to be living. And, and in the process, it helps avoid some of the common errors that come up in Christian life. So first he starts with rejoice in the Lord always. And now if you do a, a word study on this, you kind of get in the rejoices that you're delighting in and taking pleasure in Him, in the Lord. I think one of the things about Christianity that you should really know is that to rejoice in the Lord is the state of a Christian. The Christian now knows that there's no condemnation for us because of the work of Christ and faith in Him. You know, not because we worked for it, but it's a free gift of God through faith and by grace alone. Faith alone, grace alone. And so we rejoice. We're no longer fearful of God in a sense of we're fear, fearful of judgment and condemnation. Uh, but we are now able to approach the throne of grace boldly. You'll hear that in other, other passages about approaching the Lord boldly. It doesn't mean you walk in there and tell him what to do. You still go in and you understand his office as God, right? His, his kingship. And we tremble at that because he is God and we're not. But at the same time, we rejoice in our relationship with him, that we are clothed literally in the righteousness of Jesus Christ through faith. So when your emotions are down and you're dragging and you're thinking, about the Lord couldn't possibly love me. Well, you're the righteousness of Christ. Christ died for you. So that's what we mean when we say that. <clears throat> um, that also clues up the thought. When we talk about sin, people say, oh, that's a downer of a subject. Let's not get into that. You guys are being negative. Well, no, no, no. We're being we're being realistic. Christians are true realists, but we're not walking around the sour puss because we know of grace. Talk of sin without grace is 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 bad news. Talk about sin going to grace, using grace to cover a multitude of sins in faith, and to grow in Christ likeness. That, that's a glorious thing, and we rejoice in that. That's the context of taking pleasure in God and in everything that he is. And this verse begins to unpack that. We go, wait a minute, how am I supposed to rejoice in the Lord? Ready? Um, here we go. Again, I will say rejoice. He says it again. Let your gentle spirit, your uh, your reasonableness, is kind of translated here about your gentleness, not your Spock-like logic, <laughs> but your graciousness, unselfishness, your mercy, tolerance, and patience with others. Think about the context here. Since we're forgiven an immense number of offenses, too numerous to count, too grievous to go into detail that we've sinned against a holy God, well, how much more so are we going to be patient with our circumstances and the people around us? All right? I mean, so if, you're, if you've got a quick temper, if you're impatient a lot, this is something you want to bring before the Lord. You're going to, right now, I don't mean to shame you because I've got the same problem, guys, and, and I think we all do. And as we grow in sanctification, that will become less and less a mark of our personality and our character. And, and our reasonableness, reasonableness, our graciousness, our mercy, our tolerance and patience will become more pronounced. So let that be known to all people. In other words, to your family, uh, you know, the people around you, the people you work with. Uh, if you're having problems with that, yes, repent of that now. And then here we go. The Lord is near. Meaning, in, in this case, that he is, he is present and he has a real relationship with you. He didn't just save you and give you a number and go tell you to stand in a corner. You have a real relationship with him. And so, 
don't be anxious or worried. This is verse six about anything. Like even this, what we're talking about, you're like, oh my goodness, I have a terrible temper. I'm impatient or I, you know, I'm having trouble with this that, or the other thing. Don't be anxious or worried about anything. But it doesn't just say don't be worried and just let it go. Remember the old thing, don't worry, be happy. Well, that's vacuous. But what you're doing is that's, that's denial. If you're worried, you're really worried about something. If you're anxious, you're anxious about something. The Bible is not telling you, oh, don't be worried, just ignore it. It's not telling you that. It's not telling you to repress it. It's telling you, ready? But in everything, okay, in every circumstance and situation, meaning you've got something you're anxious about, what do you do with it? You don't suppress it by prayer and thanksgiving, prayer with and petition with thanksgiving. You're going to the Lord and you continue to make specific requests known to God. That's what this verse is telling us. So by prayer and petition. Now, thanksgiving is a, is a general attitude. We know Why are we giving thanks? Because we know the Most High God hears us. We stand in grace because of Christ, not judgment. That's the thanksgiving. That's the greatest news in the world. There you go. So we're not anxious about anything. But in, in this case, when we are struggling with it, we bring it to him in prayer and then we petition him to fix the situation according to his will. But we also have guidance with that. Of course, not our will, but his will be done. Sometimes we have to walk through the valley. Sometimes we have to deal with something that gives us more faith. Sometimes we have to deal with something because we don't know why. I mean, we don't know why. I mean, right? That's what, where faith comes in. Um, we, can, we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I really wish this cup would pass for me. I really wish this problem would go away. But I know you're good. And I know that, that whatever you do and you decree is good. So therefore, I wait on you and I glorify you in this. But <clears throat> this relationship that you have with God, when you go to prayer and you, and you petition him with thanksgiving, remembering who he is and remembering who you are, is what's going to be the answer to it. Not repression, not, not just ignoring things. So in that way, and then verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the rest of that kind of the way of looking at that, the peace of God, that, that's, that's the peace that reassures your heart. That peace. That's what it's doing. It's reassuring you knowing that he's in charge and there is a reason for everything. I want you to think of something that's, that's, that's really tough to say, but non-Christians have a tendency to say, well, you know, uh, it can only get better. Uh, there's an old song by Howard Jones in the 80s. I'm sorry, I'm an 80s kid. Things can only get better. Well, not necessarily, dude. Tell that to somebody who's terminal. Right? Tell that tell that to people who are really suffering. Sometimes there's another level of suffering. There's an old the old philosopher Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes, the cartoon. He had a great line one time where, where he is if I remember correctly, he had grabbed a bunch of balloons and he's just lifted off and he's in the air floating around and then he was complaining about it and then something worse happened. And I think he flew into a flock of birds and he ended up getting getting some trouble there. But he says, the last frame of the cartoon, he says, well, that's the thing about life. It's never so bad that it can't get worse. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, right. That's the thing. Christianity isn't sentimentalism. You're not just going, oh, it can get better. Oh, this too shall pass. It's not doing that. It's not telling you to ignore it. It's telling you to take the realities of life, the realities of life, the struggles, the frustrations, the failures, take them to the Lord. With prayer and thanksgiving, let your petitions be known, and that's the peace that will guard your hearts and minds. 
That's what's going to give you patience. That's what's going to give you a spirit of, <clears throat> of grace and mercy in every circumstance. Unselfishness and tolerance. You don't just get that because you, oh, well, I, should be, I should be merciful. You develop any attitude for it. Very much like that's why the Apostle Paul talks about a, a Christian life is one of training. Now, there's too many flabby Christians out there, too many flabby, wimpy Christians. You want to think of yourself as a world-class athlete, a great boxer who's trained, and they get in the ring, and, and they know they've got 12 rounds in them. They know the championship rounds come, and they're ready. The championship rounds are those rounds where uh, late in the fight, it's, you're, you're tired, but you've got that extra tank of gas in there because you've done the work. Same thing here. That's the whole reason of this type of chapter. It's telling us how to train ourselves in godliness. Okay, so then it says, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right, meaning it's confirmed by God's word. How do you know what's right? That's it. Don't let the world define right and wrong. Let the Lord define right and wrong. And so whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable, whatever is of a good repute, okay? If there's any excellence... If there's anything worthy of praise, ready? This is what it's telling you. Think continually on these things. In other words, Christian life is a life of the mind. The, the Bible doesn't use the word heart the way we use the heart in contemporary culture with our, with our you know, kind of rank sentimentalism and our sappy emotionalism. The, you are emotional because you're an emotional being, but those emotions are, are centered in your mind. Your, your beliefs are guiding your emotions. So if you're angry all the time, there's something wrong with your thinking, your core beliefs. If you're, if, you're, if you're upset, if you're easily agitated, if you're depressed, all of these things are rooted in what you ultimately believe. Now, every one of us is going to be slightly different, and we may fall prey to certain, certain dark emotions more than someone else. That's not the point. But the point is, to think on these things. Here's how we come out of those things. Here's how we avoid sinful uh, holes in our, in our lifestyle of, of yeah, of, of great anxiety and of anger and of bitterness. That's why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down to your anger. It doesn't mean, hyper-literally, that you can never go to bed, you know, kind of angry. What it means is don't let the sun, don't let a season set on it. Don't, don't let that just set in there. Because that's going to give birth to bitterness. Deal with it. You deal with it through prayer and petition. And of course, and think on these things. In other words, here's the other thing to do. It's not just, it's not just prayer. It's every other activity. So you center your mind on them and you implant them in your heart. Anything that's excellent, which is a big reason why. It's a big reason why Christians have this terrible tendency to forget the basics. The basics are this, get busy, be working, provide value for somebody. Not, I'm not saying, oh, we're going to go, go make money. What I'm saying is that go to work, go for a run, go for a walk, uh, go for a drive someplace, go do something productive. Don't sit around and wallow in whatever your problem is. Sometimes just being busy is helpful. Don't neglect the prayer and, and in particular, the meditation upon God's word. Like right now, take a verse like this. And then meditate on it. After the podcast is over, turn it off. Don't listen to anything for a while. And think about this. Apply these principles back to yourself and go, hmm, where have I wallowed in self-pity? Where have I allowed a worry or an anxiety to dominate my mood for a while, for a season? 
and, and think about how you can reverse that by bringing it to the Lord, admitting the, the, the faithlessness of that, asking him for more faith. And knowing, and again, with, with thanksgiving, knowing that he forgives you and he hears you in Christ because of Christ, not because of what you do and what you deserve, but because of Christ. And how do you not be thankful for that? And then anything is excellent. So, for example, uh, I know I know a lot of people that, you know, we love we love boxing. We love martial arts. I love sports. I love basketball. I love, uh, of course, I love, I also like good movies. And I love um, good music. Partake in these things. If there's anything of excellence. Now, if you're liking music or movies that are, and this is very easy to fall into today, that are very violent or very almost pornographic. Well, those things aren't pure. Those things... Those things aren't worthy of praise. Don't think continually on those things. See, there's a connection here between your mindset and what you're imbibing every day. You know, the old thing you are, what you eat. Um, you know, you go to the, I just had a doctor's appointment not too long ago, 51 years old. And the doctor's like, okay, you know, do you do this, do you do that? And there's a direct connection between what I'm eating and what I'm doing with my body and some of my general health, right? Well, how much more so is it than what you're what you're thinking about? And what you're thinking about is, is a lot because of you get entertained by. Now the word entertain is coming in, it means literally that this is being is entering into and it's kind of guiding you. It's teaching you something. It's 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 almost ruling over you. So you have to be very careful about what you invite into your thoughts. That's what this is about. Christian living is a life of Christian principles. And Christian principles will guide you into loving things that are these issues. Whatever is lovely, it brings peace. Whatever is admirable, a good repute. Keep taking the inventory, okay? Keep taking the inventory and go, well, what, what is good? What is noble? What is pure? Anything of excellence? And think on these things. That will, I'm telling you, this will immediately make an impact in your life. But all of this is going to require, and now here's the other thing, it's going to require some discipline. You center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. It's going to require discipline. I don't know if you know this, if you've ever heard this, but George Washington, John Adams, and the Founding Fathers considered early America to be like a Christian Sparta. They really loved the idea of, of, of people that were of discipline. They didn't see freedom as possible without personal discipline. Because if you don't have personal discipline, you need someone to rule over you. That's natural. Well, we're under grace, not law. And so we submit to the Lord. We submit to the Spirit of Christ. And this is the way to do it. Isn't this lovely? That's why I said earlier, what, a, what an amazing amount of freedom you have. You're free. You choose. You really like basketball. I, I, I saw earlier in, in well, last year, The Last Dance on Jordan. I mean, I, I, I love Michael Jordan. And I was able to sit down and watch that with my son and kind of relive some of those 90s, those late 80s moments with, with Mr. Jordan and my son, who's too young to have, uh, Jordan was already stopped playing when he was born. And, and it was remarkable. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of excellence. Now, you were able to discern if there's sinful things or, you know, whatever entertainment you're watching. But you, you, you can do that. You don't have to not watch a film or see something because it's, it's sinful. You have to take yourself out of the world completely to do that. What I'm saying is don't put yourself in position where you're constantly... You're constantly sitting there with, <laughs> like I said, almost pornographic material, and that's very easy to get into, or hyperviolent material. Be discerning. Look at this list and go through it. Meditate on it. Whatever's true, 
You know, whatever is honorable, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is right as in, in the Lord's will, if it's pure and wholesome, you know, whatever is lovely. You know, think about these things. Think about the way you're living your life, how you spend your time mentally, because that's the quality of your life. So if you're going to rejoice in the Lord, you rejoice in all of these wonderful gifts the Lord's given you. That's what we're going to wrap up with. How do you rejoice in the Lord? Well, you rejoice in the, in the surety and the truth and the reality of your salvation. And then second, you see him in all of these things. You look at, as I said, Michael Jordan's basketball career, the game of basketball. And you notice, as a Christian, I look at the rules that make the system work. There are certain rules in basketball, and you have to abide by those rules. That's why there's referees there. And then those guys train, and they practice, and they play according to those rules, and they're trying to get a, a prize. That's a, a, that's a picture of the Christian life. We're, trying to, we're, we're going to get a crown of righteousness in Christ. But we have to play according to those rules. You know, that's, I'm, I'm paraphrasing Paul with what he's talking about with boxing and running. In, in uh, like referencing the Greek games. Well, it's the same thing. Or literature, good movies. Um, you know, you might like to sit and watch watch movies. Obviously, you know, certain movies are, are <laughs> a little bit more profane than others. But you're also looking at there's stories involved. And you'll see great truths in some of these, some of these stories. Uh, and so on and on we go with this. But remember, the Christian life is a life not where you're pulling yourself away from the world. You're pulling yourself away from sin and, 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 and blind obedience to it. And then you rejoice in the Lord because you keep seeing the Lord's beauties everywhere. All right? And then who knows what you can be doing with that? Right? Who knows what you can, who, where, where you can go? That's why the things of the Spirit are so wonderful. And it's almost... Uh, it's, it's just a glory for us to be able to do that and live in the Lord and, uh, and rejoice in Him because we have freedom from sin. And then everything else you want to do, go ahead and rejoice in those things. As long as they're, again, pure and godly and of excellence. They don't have to be mentioning Jesus Christ all the time. One last thing. What's say Christian music? The Christian, very good music out there for Christian music. But there's also really good so-called secular music. Just because it doesn't mention God doesn't mean it can't be beautiful, true, noble, and uh, you know, uh, and excellent. It could still be very, very good music. Uh, obviously, if it's glorifying things that are sinful, well, then then you have a problem. But but think about that. If you can expand your understanding of the world, and you can expand your 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 perceptions of things that are like I said again, true and honorable, worthy of respect, right, pure, wholesome, lovely. It's things that bring peace. They're admirable and, they, and they're excellent and worthy of praise. That's the idea that we want to have. Okay? So all that said, uh, that's one of the, the greatest errors in, in Christian living right now is the error of, of not setting the mind, not thinking on these things because that's the issue it comes down to and finally when Paul says what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things it's the life of discipline Paul Paul doesn't say yeah I know I'm teaching these things but I don't do them he said no you've seen them in me practice them along according to the same type of principle and standard you can do them in your own way but practice them all right I'm again you I know I know some I know some great great people they love taking long rides in the mountains on their motorcycles I don't want to ride a motorcycle. It's too, I think it's too dangerous. <laughs> but go ahead and do it. That's what you love to do. That's not sin. You're going up there and you say, Lord, look at this beautiful world you've made. Feel the great air. Feel the, hey, that's, that's your life. That's your, that's, that's your worship. Think on those things. And, and that will help give you that peace that will guard your heart in Christ. And that's how you'll be tolerant and merciful and all that. Not because you just tell yourself to do it, 
and not be angry or not be anxious. That's not the biblical message. All right. Hope this helped. And I pray that the Lord uses this, this podcast and, and uh, to, to, to illuminate you and, and, and to build you up in the word and, and to help establish in you and fan into flame the love of the word of the Lord that will, will definitely bring you to salvation and, and, and bring you to that distant shore of, of the kingdom of heaven that we're all going to in Christ, um, holy and blameless through faith alone and grace alone. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Don't forget to check out whatsoeveristrue.com. That's the blog site. It's got a, it's, it's got a lot of great stuff on there, a lot of content. I try to do my best in the Lord to, to keep you informed and, and, and to try to build you up. And that's over there, whatsoeveristrue.com, and we'll catch you guys next time.